Welcome to the Relational Recovery Podcast. I'm your host, Wes Thompson, joined by my co-host, Austin Hill. Today, we are talking about the importance of faith in recovery. So we hope this conversation is helpful, and thanks for listening. Hey, Austin. Hey, Wes. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks, man. Um, I want to talk today about faith in recovery. What does it mean to be a Christian, and what role does faith have in recovery, you know, this short conversation, I want to be clear up front. I, I w- it's going to be aimed more at newer Christians or people who are not Christians. So if you are a Christian or if you've been a Christian for a long time, uh, this conversation, I think would be, I, th- I still think it's going to be helpful, but I, I you know, it, it's really aimed at, again, non-Christians, newer Christians. You know, when I think about faith, I think a lot of people are familiar with like AA, alcohol, alcohol anonymous, alcoholics anonymous. Um, and they talk about a higher power and that's presenting this idea of faith. Christianity takes that idea a bit further, right? Because Christians follow the teachings and the ways of Jesus Christ that we find in the Christian Bible. Um, and again, as, as a means to just set this up a bit more, you know, there's a lot of Christian churches. Um, not all of them are the same. Many of them have different names, different traditions. Someone uh, listening might be familiar with the word, you know, denominations. So these are different groups of Christians and they're grouped based on their particular interpretation of the Christian Bible and how to appropriately live out the Christian faith. But what binds most, you know, most of them is the belief that Jesus Christ is who he said he was, the son of God, and the one by which we can all find salvation, hope, and meaning for our life and future. And so for someone who's skeptical of faith or who isn't um, a Christian, I think it's important to point out some of the ways that we believe faith is helpful in recovery. I know I have a friend, uh, Rich Thompson who's getting his PhD on this topic right now at Ohio State. And I'm not going to be referencing his data here. I'm not speaking necessarily even from a scientific perspective um, this, this morning, but rather a personal and somewhat philosophical one. So that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Before we uh, jump in any further, do you have any thoughts or any comments uh, at this point. Yeah, I I think that it's for for those of us who grew up in church or who have like a who have a really positive outlook on it, like they really like this idea of faith and for people who've been hurt by churches, um I think the emphasis that I would want to make is making sure that when we're talking about faith, it's who we're putting our faith in. And from our context and what our belief system that you and I share, it's like our faith is in this guy who is Jesus. It's, and then we do our, our best, a very imperfect, messy attempt at trying to live a life like that. So it's giving your, giving yourself enough. Uh, if you did grow up in church and you have a bad taste in your mouth from it, that's normal, not to be afraid of, um, but it's focusing on who we're putting our trust and faith in. So, and I think um, 
you know, there's a lot to this. There's a lot of different perspectives and I don't think we're not here to expound upon them all. We're going to share from our experience and just give a few thoughts, but we are people of faith, like you said, and we believe that that's important um, for our recovery because, you know, people's worldview is significant and it's the way in which we see the world. It's the way in which we see and make sense of our lives. And so, um, we recognize that different people have different beliefs, but this is ours. And we think that, that it's significant. So I've got, I've got a few thoughts here. Um, the first, the first thing that we can, that we can kind of riff on is I think the, the, one of the first reasons why I believe faith is really important in recovery is that first we all need a purpose. We need a purpose. Um, there's been so many books written on purpose. One of the highest selling books of all time uh, is the purpose driven life by Rick Warren. This idea of purpose is significant. It's important. Just this idea that my life has meaning. If we just pause and think about that for a minute, I think, I think what I notice with myself and others. And when I, when I interact with people that are in the throes of addictive behaviors is this very nihilistic outlook on life. And by nihilistic nihilism is just a philosophical term that means, you know, life is meaningless. And so many of us um, consciously or unconsciously kind of live our lives that way, that everything feels meaningless. It's not going anywhere. And that's no way to live life. And I don't believe it's true. But I think, unfortunately, when you're living in a survival uh, mentality or even just a survival, just you're trying to live day to day to just make it. And often people in addiction find themselves there because they're so preoccupied with the addiction that life can feel meaningless. And faith introduces by definition purpose that there is meaning that your life does matter and so i think that's really really significant and where i wanted to just kind of launch out first yeah and the nice thing about one of the unique things about christianity and jesus in particular is when he was asked like what are the what are the most important things purpose in life is to love love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself. That, that Those two things have such, man, there's so much behind that. Because it's saying that, like, I have to love God, like, or, but I'll, like, he loves me, but loving God in a way, not like in a, I'm loving a ruler or something who's like, who doesn't, isn't connected to me. It's, it's, it is a, it's a love that is, it's, there's like a familial aspect to it. There's something that like, I am loving someone who cares deeply about me. And because of that, I am then able to love my neighbor as myself. So loving other people, being a part of something bigger than myself so it's not all about me. It's about how I live and how I serve and love others. But at the same time, it is not just a, the world isn't made up of just you and God. It's a lot of people. 
So there's this implication that if we're living genuine lives on like with purpose, we will be caring for others and we will be being cared for by others. Because that's how God designed all of us, believers and non-believers. He gave all of us a desire to want to be in a meaningful community that needs me, that values me. And that's how he made us. So that is like, there's purpose right there. It's like, if you need, it's like, well, I don't know what my purpose is. It's like, well, figure out, it's like, what, is it, what does it mean for me, to, for you today? To love God well and to love your neighbor well and as yourself. So it, it, it like, it addresses all these things. Like I need to make sure that I am respectful to myself. Like that's, there's a lot of work there. I need to be respectful and kind to those around me. There's a lot of work there. And then I have to understand that this, this guy, Jesus loves me in one of the most beautiful ways. Cause there's something, there is some, nothing more beautiful than someone sacrificing their lives for someone like that is ultimate devotion. That's the person that we're loving that, that we are loved by and that we are following. So there's a lot of purpose just in the statement of when Jesus was asked, what's the most important thing is to love God and love your neighbor as yourself. I think just from a high level perspective too, it's significant to recognize that our lives have purpose because if our lives have purpose, then that means our choices matter. And there's been a lot of, a lot of words written about the fact that if if there is no God and if our choices don't really matter or there is no ultimate purpose other than what we create, it, it just create it does create a nihilistic perspective on life, a meaningless perspective on life. Words like love are just words that we create. They don't really have meaning. And, and I think that is such a, um, that is such a, a lifeless way to live, <laughs> uh, which, which sounds funny, but it's such a, it's hard to live without purpose. I think human beings need purpose. I mean, there's a proverb about, you know, when we lack vision, we perish. And I think that's so true. If we, if we don't, if we don't can't look out into the future and see something better and see that, that this is all aimed at something good then it's going to be really hard to muster up the courage to work towards it. And so purpose is really, is really important. It's really significant. And everybody has it. Everyone has it. It was, it's a, it is a, it's something that we all have and it can't be taken away. It can be adjusted, but it can't be taken away. So faith gives us purpose. The second thing, and you and you ran with this already quite a bit, but I think, I think um, faith. You know, we all need a moral framework. We all need a moral framework. Faith gives us a moral framework. In other words, what is good, and what isn't good, right? Who gets to decide? Well, um, this gives us a framework for that. What is right? What is wrong? What what does it mean to be a good citizen and a good neighbor? You know, I'll read uh, G- from Jesus's words in, in the New Testament of the Bible, Matthew 5, 43 through 47, where he says, You've, you, have heard what, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. 
But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? And so again, Jesus is introducing a moral framework, which is incredibly helpful to live in this world, to have some sort of moral grid. Yeah, and it's one that um, when you think about it, it's this idea that it only works if we're doing it together. Like there's a reason why, like when Jesus was saying those things, he was saying it to a group of people, Jewish people who were being um, militarily occupied by the Roman empire. So the enemy was around, like it was there, like the, they were walking around, like we, we could see him. Like there was a very visible difference between a Roman and someone who lived in Israel at the time. Like you could tell like who's a Roman and you guys are telling us how to live. Like we knew who the enemy was. There was no like, well, you know, there's like a secret one or there's no conspiracy. They're here. They're killing people who don't do what they say. So like, it's obvious. And Jesus has the audacity to say, not only love the people in your family, which you should do. And that's important. That's really complicated because families are messed up. But he, Jesus gives us this moral framework of not only will you, not only will the people who follow me love those who love you, but you are going to love your enemies as yourself. Like that is mine. That's mind boggling. That's what it means to be a good neighbor is to work, to create a world that's good for those who wish harm on you, who want to hurt you, who don't believe like you. That's, that's huge. Like I, that gets me excited about wanting to create something around us that all the guys listening to this, like you are a part of a community that is that your goal is to create a better neighborhood that you live in just with that, just being a loving person. If you need a purpose, there's a really good one. Like wherever it is that you're going to go back to, or if you're, while you're here on the West side, just love your neighbors really well. And who's your neighbor? Everybody. If it's not you, they're your neighbor. How do you do that? Well, and it's not about going around loving everybody. It's loving the person who's in front of you. So I could keep talking about, this is a good, this is, this is a really good one. Yeah. And, and it gets confusing in our society because we do have to leave room for people that have different frameworks than we do, but, but, but it's also really good to, um, to be able to be unified and to be all one with people who share similar worldviews because then you're able to um, help each other grow in that direction. And Christianity, right, has, has introduced a lot of great ideas into the world. And I think that um, by coming around those ideas, share, having shared purpose, but also having shared moral framework, it allows us to help one another move towards a shared vision and ultimately flourish, not just as religious people, but as, but as human beings, 
And I think that, um, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot that's been written in the last decades about how morality is something we make up. And what that's led some people to do is, is just become incredibly self-focused and selfish. And that ultimately, um, doesn't lead to the good that we hope for in the world. And, and, and it, and it honestly, especially in recovery, I think it exacerbates the issues at hand. Um, which ultimately leads to our third point, and then we can just kind of riff for a while. But, but you've already alluded to this one too. Um, so the first one, right? Like faith, faith gives us purpose. Faith gives us a moral framework. But faith, you know, we can all find happiness only when our search for happiness is broader than merely our own happiness. So, in other words, happiness is most often found when our pursuits include others. And faith gives us a framework for that as well. That, man, just what Jesus said in Matthew 5, to love your enemy as you do yourself, to love your neighbor. So there's there's the category for men. I'm only going to find myself whenever, like Jesus gives this paradox of like, you find your life when you give up your life. And so when I think of my family and friends and community and church, advocacy group, whatever. We think of Christianity historically. What a lot of people, what a lot of modern people don't don't recognize is that Christian spirituality introduces the importance of ideas like justice and compassion. The idea of justice didn't exist before Christianity. The idea of um, our modern ideas of justice anyway, and compassion, those are rooted in a Christian worldview historically, which is significant. And so our faith not only gives us purpose, not only gives us a moral framework, but our, our faith recognizes that in our pursuit of happiness, we will only find happiness by pursuing it, in, in including other people and it not just being about me. And unfortunately, with people in addiction, everything ends up revolving around me, right? Getting my fix, getting my needs met. And, 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 and many recovery groups can become just self-focused. But we recognize and what faith introduces is that happiness and that sustained peace is only found in community and relationship with others. And I think that's significant. Yeah. It's, it's a good, it's a good check on like, we can feel this pressure of, of just the, those first two points you made. It's like, man, I, ha- I have to make sure I'm doing something that's important, doing something that has purpose. And I want to make sure that I'm doing it right, doing it well. A really good way to make sure that is getting other people's feedback, talking like, helping someone else figure that out also. So it's, it's a refining process that you're not going to have this aha moment. And then whatever it is that you think right now, that's what the rest of your life is going to look like. Like that's not like 
that it's not realistic because we are always progressing. We're always Im either improving or declining in some way. So you're, what you're thinking right now about your purpose and how you think through things morally, that is going to change. It's going to mature. And what a really good way is not only doing your own work, but you're working with other people. So you have to have that. Like it's why God made us to need each other. So it's like, if we all have this purpose individually that we have this, then we have this like understanding, understanding of what we agree on and understand what we don't agree on. We're only able to understand those things. If we're talking to somebody like it's, it, it's like a, it's like a moral framework. Isn't it's, it, it's pointless without other people. So it's, it's, does that make sense? And I hope I'm being clear on that. We're like, they build on each other. If we have a moral framework, who is that for? Yes, it's for it's for each other. It's so we can exist. And if you're a skeptic, right? I mean, this should be helpful just in the sense that like we need as a society to function well together. I mean, I think that's one of the biggest challenges in America right now is the level of distrust and disunity that exists across the board we're not leaving a lot of space for others that don't have the same perspective we do. And I think we would, it would serve us well to ask more questions and be more curious of others and leave room for others because the tribalism, the judgmentalism, the rigidity is not serving the common good very well because there's so much fighting and there's so much anger and the reality is if if we're going to function if we're going to have all the blessings of life that everybody desires there has to be a level of camaraderie and unity and the beautiful thing about about faith and recovery is again it creates a shared purpose it creates shared moral moral framework it creates the sense that oh my gosh it's not just about me flourishing but it's about others flourishing because if others flourish i flourish we all flourish and that and that's that's how we that's how we can move forward together and that's why i think god god instituted what he instituted i think that's what jesus said what he said in matthew 5 because he knew that was the case yeah because the solution to tribalism isn't to get one tribe to agree with the other. It's to realize that those tribes should be porous and it's to get people and to understand each other because there's certain things that people just aren't going to change their mind about. So your goal shouldn't be, well, I'm only going to talk to people who think just like me that you're just going to end up being alone. The goal and what makes this unique in I have some really good, like an example is I have really good friendships with people who I don't agree with on a lot of things that are important to me, but I enjoy being with them. And there are plenty, like the, then there are, there are people wherever, wherever you go, whatever room you go into, you should be able to have confidence in the relationships around you. They're like, we don't agree on everything, but we agree on some things. Like there, I've, I'm friends with people who I don't agree with on the most important thing and what I think about who Jesus is, but I have really good friends who aren't Christians because that's how, like, that's how God designed us because the goal isn't to get everybody to think like you. It's to 
live with this purpose, with that moral framework, and model what it looks like to others. And it's going to look different because we're all different. And we have to be okay with it looking different because we really can't control what people think. Like that's like, it's, it's one of those things where like, depending if you're a, if, if it's politics and people are going to get like really upset about what someone thinks, cause that's, that's kind of what politics is. It's arguments about how people think things should look because it's usually not about like what's actually happening on the ground. People get afraid, upset, angry about something that is thought. That's not, that's not actually happening. There's a fear of something that could happen, but a really good way to not be afraid of somebody is to get to know them. Be understanding, ask more questions like you're like what you're talking about. And that there's something rejuvenating about that. That's good stuff, man. I think um, for anyone listening, and I hope I hope this is encouraging. You know, we there's a lot of different beliefs out there, but we've got to find ways to come together. And if you're at the refuge or around the refuge, you know, I don't know where you're at on your journey, but my encouragement to you is be open minded and press in, press into this to this faith in Jesus. Because if you have, if you don't have a faith tradition. Um, historically Christians aren't perfect. We've made a lot of mistakes. Um, but I think what Jesus said and what he, what he intended the church to look like is good because we need more grace. We need more compassion. We need more love. We need more unity than what we currently see today. I know I need it in my life and to be able to have purpose, to have, to have a moral grid that's going to lead to, to, to not only my good, but the greater good and to ultimately find happiness when I'm not just selfish and I'm trying to find, you know, thinking about my family, thinking about my neighbor, thinking about the people I work with, I think is really important because if we all get better, then that's going to be good for all of us. And I think that that's why faith these are just one of the, just several reasons why I think faith is really important in recovery. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Relational Recovery Podcast. We'll be back soon with a new conversation. We'll see you then.